Hello and welcome to another episode of the We Are Rail Fans podcast, the series for rail fans by rail fans exploring all areas of the rail hobby from around the world. I'm Sam and thanks for all the messages you've been sending in about the show. Jay Sanchez, who's a Spanish train driver now working with railways in the Middle East, has been in touch to say, Sam, I totally love your podcast. It's not just mine, no, Jay. This is a team effort, but thanks very much for the support and hopefully you'll like what we've got for you today. If, like Jay, you would like to send us a message, then visit wearerailfans.com or find us on Facebook at We Are Railfans. And if you've missed any of our previous episodes, they're all available for free wherever you get your podcasts. So why not give us a follow and you'll receive a new show as soon as it's been recorded. You're listening to We Are Rail Fans, and on this podcast, I've been lucky enough to chat to drivers of high-speed trains, drivers of maintenance vehicles. We've spoken to a novice driver, we've even talked to a virtual driver. We've been all over the UK, and we've been to Denmark, but I'm delighted to say we're going even further afield for this episode, because we're taking a quick hop to the other side of the Atlantic. Our guest today is locomotive engineer Mr. Jim Rooney of New Jersey Transit, which operates in the US state of New Jersey as well as parts of New York and Pennsylvania. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, when did you start working at uh, NJ Transit? I hired out in New Jersey Transit on September 11th, 1987. I was hired as a trainman, taking tickets on the train with a chance to be a conductor on the railroad. Okay, so was this something that you always fancied doing? You always wanted to work on the railroad? Since I was a little boy, um, I grew up on the on Long Island in New York. My grandparents lived along the railroad, and they would always bring me to a train station to watch the trains go by. Since I was like three, four years old, I always wanted to be on the railroad in some capacity. Do, do, do you recall what kind of trains you were seeing uh, at an early age that got your got you enthusiastic? Yeah, they were actually they were called uh, they were old. They were built by the Pennsylvania Railroad, which was another big company. They were MP54 MU cars. They were only held about seventy something people, and then as they progressed uh, to double deck cars, and I always knew then I always wanted to be an engineer because they were called motormen, and I always go up and talk to them. But the guys that ran the locomotives, the diesels, were called locomotive engineers, and that's what I really wanted to do. Was it the title that appealed, or was it the trains? It was actually operating the train, because I thought that was the coolest job on the railroad. Almost certainly is. So how long have you been doing the job then, since 87? Um, I got hired as a trainman, and then in 1988, I heard uh, they had advertisements to be a locomotive engineer with New Jersey Transit, and that was my number one goal. And by start to talk to supervision and they said there was going to be a class for locomotive engineers and to apply for it. And I did, and I got accepted into the class and that was June 6th of 1988. And then June 5th of 1989, I was promoted locomotive engineer on New Jersey transit. So Amazing. I've, been, I've been an engineer ever since. That's the, you've, you've put the days in certainly. Uh, oh yeah. So th talk us through what a, what a typical day on the job looks like for you. Well, uh, when you come to work, like I work at uh, 6.40 uh, in the morning, I have to be at my sign-up location. I meet my crew. We go over our paperwork, what work is going to be done on the railroad, if there's any tracks out of service, and we have a, what they call a job briefing. And with that, 
the whole crew knows what's going on. If we're going to be re- switching from one track to another, and are the passengers on the right side where they're supposed to be? And so you do that, and then you just you run your train. We leave Raritan, which is one of the lines, the Raritan Valley line. We get to Newark, New Jersey, where our train terminates, and the people will walk over to another track to get a train into Penn Station, New York City. We go over our paperwork for our westbound trip, go back to uh, Raritan, and we do the same thing again. We go to Newark and bring the train back. So that's pretty much what I do during the day, two round trips. And it takes a lot because we're running on different railroads. We come off New Jersey Transit, and in 1983, when New Jersey Transit was formed, they took over all the commuter operations from all the different carriers. We run on a freight railroad, which was Conrail at the time, and we have to run by their rules and regulations, have to carry that paperwork. Then I come down onto the Northeast Corridor for Amtrak, and it's a lot of, it's a very, very busy railroad there. There's a lot of trains, a lot of speed restrictions. So you have to be on your game when you're running there because you don't get a second chance if there's a mistake made. And we have the paperwork either if something happens in route, they will stop the train and give us another train order, which is called a Form D. You fill that out. I have to go over it with my conductor. So we both on the same page. He tells the crew what's going on, if we're going to have to stop and wait somewhere for a little while. So that way everybody knows what's going on. And then when we're on the Northeast Corridor, um, it's more trains, more tracks. So again, it's very, very busy. We get into Newark and drop off all our passengers. So then my trainman, my conductor will call up for orders to see if there's anything changed. And then we discuss that and then bring the train back. I mean, everybody sees a train going by, and I'm sure in your country too, that you see a train going by, everything looks great, but they don't know what goes on behind the scenes to get that train from point A to point B. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you're you're operating on an extraordinarily busy uh, section of network there. Yes. Is there such a thing as a routine day, or is it, or do you have to really keep your wits about you all the time for signaling changes and so forth? Normally, we if there's nothing going on when there's no work going on, it could be routine, but then you have to be careful that you don't become complacent in what you're doing sure. because out of nowhere, somebody could unfortunately jump out in front of the train. Yeah, Any Like with storms, tree branches come down in front of you. It is just a lot of other things. So yeah, it, some most days are kind of routine because you've been on the line, I've been on the line so long, but you got to keep aware of what's your surroundings are situational awareness you have to be that way because you never know at the last possible second something can go wrong in a hurry absolutely yeah i was asking more in a kind of procedural sense i mean do you expect the same sequence of clear signals along the way or is is it okay if all the trains are running on time uh, either on conrail because they run their freight trains with our trains and those right. freight trains are a hundred to 150 cars long and they go a lot slower, but if they're not in the way and all the trains are running, all the signals are always lined up. The dispatches are really well. They're really good. Right. They make sure the trains go and keep the schedule because there's fines to be paid if they don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we know that every company wants to avoid fines wherever yes. possible. So uh, we have a worldwide audience that listen to this podcast. Okay. Uh, so for, for those outside the US who, who maybe haven't come across New Jersey Transit before, uh, what services do you provide and, and where do you go to? See, if you come into the state of New Jersey and you want to get around, New Jersey Transit has a vast assortment of uh, 
ways to get around. They have a very efficient bus operation. We have a very efficient light rail system where some of the buses don't go. And a light rail is very good to travel on. But New Jersey Transit, their, their big mode of operation is the trains. We have a bunch of lines working on two different divisions. I work what they call a Newark division, where you could take a train from Penn Station, New York, go down to um, Trenton and New Jersey, then get on a Philadelphia train uh, for Scepter Railroad, and then get back on another New Jersey transit train and go to entertainment in Atlantic City. Or you can go out uh, to Raritan Line, where I am. Or we have the short trains that go down to Long Branch and Bayhead. And we have new direct dual locomotives, dual current locomotives that can run off diesel and electric. So they can leave New York with a f- big train to go down the Jersey Shore. They get to Long Branch. They switch from electricity to diesel powered. So they don't even have to get on the train. And during the summer, those trains are very busy for all the seashore people. And then on the Hoboken Division, goes up through central New Jersey and up north into northern New Jersey into New York State, where they operate with uh, the Metro North Commuter Railroad in conjunction to get the passengers around. So you've you've been working for uh, New Jersey Transit for a significant number of years. You must yes. have seen a fairly decent number of different locos and trains that uh, that you've gotten to get to grips with. Uh, oh, yeah. What sort of things have you driven in the past? What have you operated? Well, when I first came to New Jersey Transit, when I was promoted as an engineer, we still had a lot of old equipment that was inherited from predecessor railroads. And when I mean predecessor railroads, the Central Railroad in New Jersey, we were operating locomotives that were built in the 50s from them. And passenger locomotives were built in 1968, which we still run in passenger service. We had Pennsylvania uh, Railroad locomotives and some of the other railroads of various uh, companies, but they were all old. But this is what we had when New Jersey Transit was just formed. They would get so much money from the state. And eventually, as the other stuff got old, they would replace it with new. We used to have these big locomotives called E8 locomotives. They had two engines in them. Uh, and they had one cab. And they were steam heat, which they had a steam generator in them to put uh, to make heat for the, locom- uh, for the passenger cars. They had generators on them, too, to make uh, electricity for the cars, for lighting and air conditioning. So if you pulled into a station, if the generators weren't or the batteries weren't properly charged, the lights would go dim. And then as the train went, the generators would put the power back in. But we had uh, also from the Erie Lackawanna Railroad, we inherited um, fairly modern equipment from them because in 1978, 79, they started getting new equipment, what they called the U-34 locomotive, which was built by General Electric. There were six actual axle locomotives. They were really big. And they got new uh, air-conditioned cars they pulled with. So I got to operate those. Uh, for the electric trains, we only had MUs, like EMUs, yeah. um, so we used those. Uh, oh, and then uh, in 1982, they got new F40 uh, locomotives, which had uh, electric generators in them for the new coaches that they've got. So I, had, I got to operate that. The old switch engines, I got to operate in the yard when I was making up trains in the yards. When you were young and new on the railroad, you, you didn't get the very best assignments. So we would make up <laughs> right. trains, and you had to use with what they had. The stuff was dirty. It was old, but it worked, and it was simple you know, to, to right. operate. But um, I liked it better back then because, yeah, it was dirty and old, but if something went wrong, you can fix it on the fly and make it work. Everything's now electronic with all the computers and all the stuff in there with the software. You know, you have to wait for help. But uh, it was the, 
uh, locomotives with the F-40s, uh, the GP-40 locomotives and passenger service, uh, the different styles. And we had Arrow 2MUs, which were older, which were, came from the Penn Central Railroad. Then the Arrow 3 cars, which we're, we're still using now. They've been rebuilt, but we're still, use, we're still using those. And right now we're waiting on new delivery of double-decker MUs because we have uh, multi-level cars here now in push-pull service, and now they're going to have an electric version of that. And presumably it takes longer to uh, to get a feel for the, the, the operating characteristics of a train yes. than it yes, does, it does. figuring out how to make it go. Well, we always call it on-the-job training when you get a new locomotive and from when you're used to running a certain type, and then you get in there. Yeah, you know basically how to turn it on. Then all of a sudden, something's going on. A rainstorm comes. You're looking all around. Where's the controls for the windshield wiper? Where, you know, uh, where's the light switches are in different locations? So you have your headlights right. on bright and another train's coming. You want to dim them right away. And all of a sudden you're, you're searching around, scratching your head. So you, you find it, but that's pretty much it. And that takes a little while to get used to. Yeah, I would imagine so. Is there, is there one that, you, uh, that you've operated in the past that you look back fondly and go, oh, those, those were the days? Yes, we still have two of them running, the F-40 locomotive. Right. It was numbers 4113 to 4129. And they were a boxy locomotive, but they were so simple to run and powerful. And the visibility, looking out the big windows, you could see everything that you needed to see while running the train. And eventually, they got rid of them all, except for two they used in work train service. I didn't get a chance to run them, but that's what I want to do. You'll just have to find a way to take one home with yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what do, you, uh, what do you run on a day-to-day basis now? Right now, uh, I come to work. I run a dual-mode locomotive, the, the 4500s, they call them. They're 4500 horsepower. And what they are, uh, you get into the operating cab. You go into the engine compartment. They have two Caterpillar 12-cylinder motors in them, one, one diesel engine for each truck. And then in the middle of them, you have a big uh, area where the electronics are because the locomotive does have a pantograph on top. So they can go into New York City for people to get a one-seat ride on the Raritan line. And they have some trains that do that. And um, that's what I predominantly run now. But we have another passenger locomotive called the PL42 built by EMD. That's a 4200 series locomotive, of 4,000 numbers, but it's 4,200 horsepower. And they're very powerful and they're very comfortable to run too. Um, they're older, but um, I enjoy that too because of the visibility, the big windows. And that's predominantly what I get now. You've referenced big windows a couple of times there, yeah. which, which makes it sound like you've operated something that doesn't have big windows. Yeah, the PL, the new one, the Alp 45 locomotives, the big windows are in front. And you have little tiny windows on the side that are tinted. So especially if you're running at night and you want to make you're making station stops, I mean, you talk to your uh, motorman on your railroad. They'll tell you when you spot a train. Sometimes you look for the garbage pail on the on the track, or you look for something to spot the train instead of I have an eight car train on a five car platform. How far do I pull off? Well, there's no signs. But on the older locomotives, you had big side windows you can open up. And just lean right out and look and see exactly where you wanted to go. The newer locomotives, you're not right along the wall at a side of the train. So you can't open the window and lean out and all. So, but that's what I meant by the windows and the visibility. No, no, no. no it's good. It's good. To, this is tricks of the trade, you see. Oh, yeah. Oh, we look at garage doors. We look at uh, buildings with broken, like you go up to the window that's broken, that's where you stop the train. But if they <laughs> fix the window or 
whatever, then, yeah, it can be a problem. (laughs) Yes. So you go uh, through a range of different uh, environments uh, along the route. So, I mean, you go from... Uh, I mean, if you're if you're heading out towards New York, then the incredible urban area you've got going yeah. on. But what's the kind of variety of scenery that you've got? If I'm if I'm coming to visit, where's the where are the best views? Well, if you get on the train, say at Port Jervis, you're going to go through the mountains uh, of the southern tier of uh, part of the Catskill Mountains of New York, and you get some beautiful views, especially now with the fall. Uh, the leaves are changing color. And it's one place uh, along one of the stations, you have what they call Moodna Viaduct. It's 300 feet high by a couple of thousand feet long. And you're really up high. You get to see the valleys and the farmlands and all. And then as you continue along, you start, you see the little villages, the old fashioned stations, just like in England, where you're, you're out in the country and you have the small, the high level platforms with the nice stations there. You have that. They're low level platforms, but you have really nice stations but as you get closer in it gets a little bit more suburban houses a lot of neighborhoods uh, a lot more people and then as the closer you get to the city see on the Pascag Valley line or on the Hoboken side you go through swamp areas too which we call the New, uh, New Jersey meadows and it's all swampland. In fact, they built a little bit. That's where uh, we have a couple of sports arenas out there where the New York Jets and New York Giants play their football games. And then you come into some urban areas like where I am. You come into Newark, what was old factories, which are now being turned into uh, lofts and um, housing for people, especially in New York. Close to the city, you have more buildings and less landscape. What would you say is the best thing about being a, a, an engineer for New Jersey Transit, particularly on the, the routes that you run? Well, to me, the best job is uh, the engineer because I get to see everything. I enjoy wildlife. So as I'm running the train along, we have tons of deer that are all over the railroad. You see all sorts of small furry creatures, the birds. Every now and then we see an American, uh, the bald eagle. We see that every so often. And then waving at the people. Um, you always have families at some of the station stops with their little kids, and they share stories how they love the trains, and I tell them that's how I started. But I, sometimes I think it's the adults that are getting more of a kick out of the train than the little kid is. Any excuse. <laughs> yes, that's what it is, any excuse to come out and, and see. So do you have do you have regulars who uh, who will hang out on stations regularly looking for uh, doing some spotting? Yes. As a matter of fact, we do. Every day is one of the stations. I have a little boy and his dad come out, and I always talk to them. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun because in a lot, a lot of the other stations, you see a lot of the same people, but a few of them actually come up to the cab. And um, if I have my cab on the on the platform, they come right up to the outside to the window. I'll open it and, and talk with them and stuff, blow the horn a certain way for them and all. Oh, that's, that's the stuff right there. Oh, yeah. that To me, that's what makes the job. Putting the smiles on their faces is, is is big to me. What do you think it is about trains that get people excited? Because it, there is something very emotional about trains. I mean, what, what is it for you? I think because of the size uh, of the trains, the romance of the railroad from years ago, when the, the highways weren't as busy as they are now, the predecessor railroads, like the Pennsylvania Railroad, used to run a train from New York to Chicago called the Broadway Limited, which was all Pullman cars of uh, sleepers, diners. And to me, that was the way to get around. To go from Chicago to, say, California, they had a couple of big name trains. 
the Super Chief was the Santa Fe Railway. And the people said if you were on that train that you were somebody important, you know, because of all the services they had. Like the New York Central had the 20th Century Limited. They had barbers on the train between the diners, their lounge cars, their saloons on the train and, and all the sleeping cars. And that's pretty much too how back in the day, how all our sports teams traveled from baseball to football, to ice hockey, all the people traveled on trains. So that's where yeah. the, the term of uh, the romance of the railroad came from, because that was our chief transportation to be on the railroad train. We've spoken a little bit about rail fans already. Yeah. Are you a rail fan yourself when you're outside? Oh, absolutely. Do you, do you go and, uh, and take a peek at something unusual when it comes along? Oh, I travel all around the country if I can. I've been to Chicago, which is central in the United States, many times to talk with all different crews from passenger railroads. We go in, into the freight areas and introduce ourselves. We bring out timetables or our railroad books that we carry and give them and trade them. And just to say, hey, do you mind if we take some pictures? We're not going to climb on any of the locomotives, but just to get pictures of different locomotives that you don't see in the Northeast. So, yeah, we, I do that. And I'm very lucky. I have a 19-year-old daughter. She loves to travel on the train with me. So we'll go on a trip to Newark and hop on an Amtrak train and either go upstate New York or to uh, out to Connecticut one of the other states and South Jersey just to ride on an Amtrak train. I am a train. Well, we call them rail enthusiasts. The people outside call them train buffs. <laughs> you know, there are a numerous number of of, of different yeah. uh, descriptors. The one that's really caught on, which is the one we use, is is rail fan. Yeah, rail fans. That's what we call them here. Yeah, and we like them because if they see something wrong, they have all their cell phone cameras and their cell phones. When a freight train goes by and they notice something wrong, they have all the numbers to call a dispatcher. So they're kind of like eyes on the railroad. When they see something wrong, they report it, which is a big help. And yeah. a lot of them are young kids, which is really good to see because they're getting into the hobby. And you have a lot of professionals with their big fancy cameras, and they're out there taking pictures. And and you know, I always wave at them and stuff. And a bunch of them know who I am because of our rail sites on a computer. There's one called New Jersey Rail Fan Association. They mentioned my name running such and such train or Jim Rooney at the throttle and, and, and stuff. So it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's a big uh, to do right now. Like a lot of rail fans, it's, it keeps the kids out of trouble, which is the other thing I like it too. It's a good, wholesome hobby. Yes. Especially when there's families out there. At the beginning, you said that you know you you first uh, kind of gained a love for trains at a very young age. How how did you manage to to follow through on that as a as a child and then growing up before you got to the point of actually taking on the job? Well, when I soon as I was a little older, where I can venture away from the house on my bicycle, I would ride up to some of the Long Island Railroad lines. We had electric lines and diesel lines. And I would stop uh, at one of the local little fast food restaurants like McDonald's and bring food and sit at the train station for hours and just watch the trains go by, waving at the crews, taking notes on what equipment I might have seen. And then, then I had in, we had lakes where we would go fishing, but I always made sure that if we were fishing, we had to be by one of the railroad lines. So I didn't care about the fishing because I was with friends, but I got to watch the trains. And that's what I really went for. And it just stuck with me. Yeah, and well, and you've been you've been fortunate enough to follow it through as a career as well. Oh yeah, when I first started on the railroad, I hired out with Amtrak, 
an onboard service. So I got to travel to Chicago, New Orleans, Florida as a coach attendant, making sure that people got on and off the train, uh, the stops at the right places. And to me, that was a big thrill because I went to places I'd never seen before. But it was all the different railroads that I got to see, all the different trains before all uh, big consolidations where a lot of the small railroads merged into to make bigger ones. So I got to see a lot of the older things. But as I always wanted to be an engineer, Amtrak didn't give me that opportunity, but New Jersey Transit did. So I'm forever thankful for that. Now, you've you've experienced uh, operating in a, a number of different locos, but is there is there a bucket list of, or given the opportunity, I'd love to give that a go? Yes, uh, the Pennsylvania Railroad GG1 uh, electric locomotive. That, that was the... The railroad was known as the standard railroad of the world, but they had the big electric locomotives that ran from Washington to New York out to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Every time I saw an engineer, an older engineer, a picture of one, they were in a GG1, and I was like, well, that's got to be the best job, the best locomotive to run, which they said wasn't easy, but when you were running a GG1, you got a lot of respect because of how big it was and and all and is it the size that appeals or is it the styling because it's got some kind of art deco feel to it hasn't it the gg1 yes that was designed by raymond lowey it was a locomotive with the cab in the middle and then raymond lowey was a big designer of things uh to improve things and he made it like that art deco style by taking off the rivets and making it all sheet metal but it was the the size of it how it looked yeah. because there was no mistaking it coming down the railroad is there a is there a particularly memorable journey that you've made over your years of of operating this service? Yeah, um, particular trip was on a northeast corridor when my windshield broke during a blizzard, and I you have to run the train and you have to run it on schedule, so um, the window would get covered up with snow, but I had cab signals and I can I knew what the the cab signal matches the wayside signal. So when you got into the station, I just opened my door, walked along a platform and cleaned the window off and then continue on my way. But it was a particular blizzard with an ice storm that um, was tough. I imagine. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because most of the things are routine, but you kind of look forward to things like that because uh, it keeps you on your toes. But to me, it's a challenge, like running in the big snowstorms when there's a lot of railroad crossings, the crossings that grade, making sure I blow the horn and just run as the best you can. And that's what we do. (laughs) So what do you think the future holds for uh, for you at uh, New Jersey Transit? Well, I have a couple of years left because I enjoy I'm 60 years old. I enjoy what I do. To me, it beats working. That's how I look at it. I don't. To me, I don't go to work. I go to hang out and play with a big train set. I enjoy it and all. So I'll stay a few more years and then retire after I get about 40 years on the railroad. Because I got uh, uh, 37 now with my combined Amtrak experience and with New Jersey Transit. And then after 40, I should be 63. Uh, maybe I'll call it quits, but who knows? We had one engineer who retired this past summer. He was 80. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Jim, it has been an absolute delight talking to you today. We like to finish each of our interviews with a round of quick fire questions. Okay, go ahead. So here we go. Uh, what is your favorite train of all time? Oh, my favorite train of all time is uh, 
I think the Broadway Limited, because I got to work it a lot, which is what they called the Broadway Limited for Amtrak. And it was an over, a quick overnight job. But the people I got to meet uh, on that train through all the towns, and I found out how beautiful America really is with all the people that we have and how nice people are in general and all and i look forward every time i got that schedule or train to run i was i looked forward to it i mean the other ones were good too but that was my favorite so if you had to choose one era of trains in particular would you go with steam diesel or modern era trains uh the diesel steam was a lot of work <laughs> you know when i watch i go to museums and i uh, watch the steam engines go oh that's a lot of work it's dirty it's hot the summer you freeze but I like the the diesel trains. To me, I enjoy thoroughly running a diesel locomotive. To me, that's railroading. Is there one train in particular you wish you'd seen live? Oh, let's see. Yeah, probably the, what the Pennsylvania Railroad had in their passenger trains. Uh, they had so many different types, but it was the big steam locomotives going through the mountains just to hear them work, pulling their, their passenger cars up and down, the grades and stuff. That's To me, because not only do you see it, you feel it because the ground actually shakes when those big steam engines go. And right now, like the Union Pacific Railroad has what they call their big boy. Uh, we all know the big boy. Okay. <laughs> yes, well, you know, to see that and to smell it and to hear it go by and feel it. I mean, the, there's something about the coal smoke and the steam that comes out that – brings you right back to the old days of railroading which i thoroughly love so where is your favorite place to travel to by train oh my favorite place is to chicago and i because of the uh, all the different commuter railroads that are there the different freight railroads that are so close together when i went out a few times we would just rent a car and you could spend a day on any railroad line and get you filled of different types of locomotives. And there's a whole load of different types, from small switch engines to big mainline freight locomotives, the different types of pasture equipment. Because um, that's what I always like. Some of them I would like to give it a try running uh, and all, but I can't. But, uh, but to go out and see it is the next best thing. But Chicago, to me, is the railroad mecca of uh, the United States. I don't, I'm, home is where the heart is, but have you yes. ever had the opportunity to uh, to travel by rail outside the U.S.? No, um, I've been to Canada and watched trains there, but um, I didn't. We drove, but right. I do have um, what with the YouTube. I do watch a lot of things from uh, England. I do watch things from the Netherlands and the different trains that are there, and Japan, because some of the trains there are pretty. The electric train setup is pretty good. So, yeah, I'd like to, but one of these days. And I want to get to, to England, especially, because I want to see the Millard uh, steam engine and some of the other uh, Flying Scotsman. It ran here, but I was just a little kid. But I'd definitely like to see the Flying Scotsman in person and, and touch it. Well, we'd be more than happy to have you. Oh, um, perfect. All right. Our last question is, uh, is asking you to gaze into your crystal ball. Uh, what do you think the future of rail travel looks like? It's going to get a lot better. I believe, because the streets and roads and highways are getting more congested, especially in this country now. They're starting to pay a lot more attention to uh, rail travel through uh, private industries with uh, Brightline and uh, Florida expanding with their uh, train sets. Siemens is building nice, really reliable trains now for Amtrak, and they're going to be building them. They're building them for Canada uh, via rail. Um, so, yeah, and they're planning so many more routes with Amtrak. So yeah, railroading in this country is looking very bright. 
because it's a of where they're going to be putting in lines for the people to uh, ride on trains with. Fantastic. Jim, you've <laughs> been an absolute pleasure to speak to today. Thanks very much thank for you. coming on the show. Sam, thank you very much, your gentlemen, and thank you for your questions. And I, it was a real pleasure answering them and talking to you. And maybe if I get to England, I'll try to find you guys. Oh, you I'm know, sure we'll arrange something. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Thank you, guys, and take care, and God bless. Okay. Bye-bye. And thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying this series, please let us know via wearerailfans.com or use the We Are Railfans Facebook page. We'll be back with another episode as soon as the signal changes. This has been a Listen production. Thanks for travelling with us today, and if you wouldn't mind, please ensure you have all your belongings with you before you leave the show. And we'll catch you next time.